Are you looking for a podcast where you can hear from real people regarding their real dental drama? If so, then you've come to the right place. Join hosts Bethany Petty and Dr. Rena Kuba as we dive into the solutions we've created and the mistakes we've made while managing dental drama. Let's get started. Well, guys, we are still in the month of September, or as many dentists call it, September. And last episode, we talked about what to do with your staff during the downtimes of this dreary and dreadful month. And I resisted the urge last time to get into a bunch of tips and tricks for kind of filling the schedule and hopefully turning September around for you. I wanted to save it for a separate episode because I feel like there are a lot of practical steps that you can take, whether that's in September or what other month is slow for you. I think you could use some of these tips to try to make it a little bit more robust. So I'm going to focus on really the schedule aspect of having a slow month. Really, everything that's involved with a slow month, lower production, lower collections, all of that really kind of comes back to a slow schedule. And so I want to really hone in and focus on that. There's two different sides of building a really robust schedule. One is, first of all, just getting people on the schedule. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. The other aspect is keeping people on the schedule and kind of controlling the cancellation or no-show side of it. So I want to dive into both of those categories and give you guys some things to think about in your practice. I want to start with what I've been hearing the most over these last few weeks in September, which is a really high number of cancellations and even no-shows that are occurring on the schedule. So I want to talk through some strategies of how to handle that and prevent that in a lot of ways. So first and foremost, if you haven't reevaluated your confirmation protocol in some time, then it's time to do so. In fact, I would say it's time to evaluate your confirmation protocol usually a month before you anticipate a slow month. So this really could have, should have been done last month, but I'm just now telling you about it now. So let's um, use this opportunity to reevaluate your confirmation protocol. Find out from your front desk team, okay, what are what is the series of our reminders? Do we send emails? Do we send text messages? What are the frequency of those? And how are they spread out? Um, I love email and text reminders. And oftentimes we can, in some situations, rely on those 100% in some slash many cases, we still have to have some type of personalized phone call that goes out. Let me just kind of give you a flow to confirmation that I think works really well. First of all, I like when they set up an appointment for them to get an automatic email and text that says, thank you so much for booking your appointment with us on date and time. So as soon as they book, they get a text reminder and an email reminder. So we kind of do both on that one. So let's say they're in the office back in March. They schedule for September. As soon as they book with us in the office, then they will immediately get a text message on their phone and an email in their inbox. 
Another quick little side note here that I would remind you of is if you guys are not tracking the successfulness of your email and text campaigns, meaning whatever program you use, whether that's um, you know, Lighthouse 360, Weave, Yappy, your um, own dental software, whatever program you're using to text and email, they should be able to show you how many of those are bouncing back, are emails bouncing back, or back, are text messages bouncing back, do we have the incorrect phone numbers in, we've, we've put the home phone number in the cell phone spot, therefore it's not receiving text messages. If you haven't asked your front desk team about that recently, I think it's a good time to check and just say, hey, how how successful are we? If we send out emails to all of our patient base, first of all, do we send out emails to all of our patient base? How many of them either aren't opted in or we have failed to opt them in or they've opted out? Uh, Usually that's about uh, 10 to 15 percent of your patient base that's not receiving some type of email or text message. So some patients will sign up for email and not text message or vice versa. But overall, we want to know that we've done a very good and thorough job of loading the patient information into these programs um, or that we're loading them into our software correctly. I mean, again, with email addresses, you can be one letter off and that's not making it to the patient. So it's really important to check how effective we are at getting the emails and the text messages to the patients. So number one, I would check and make sure that we've got a good number of our patients who are opted in and are receiving hopefully both. That's ideal, both email and text messages, but at least one of those needs to be active. If for any reason we see that emails or text messages are getting kicked back, we need to take this slow month of September to research who on that list is not getting text messages and emails, and let's solve that problem. Let's give them a call and say, for some reason, our emails our text mes- and text messages aren't getting through to you. I need to get your updated information. That's a great project to do in the month of September. So, Back to the original, they get a email and text message as soon as they book an appointment. Then I like for us to have kind of a varied approach to those confirmations. I like the first confirmation. So after that original text that says, thank you for booking, the next one would come two months prior to their scheduled appointment. Now, this is usually impacting recall. It can sometimes impact ortho when we're scheduling two months out. It could impact um, perio or oral surgery if you guys um, have placed an implant and we're getting that patient back in three or four months, then you're going to have somebody that's receiving those text messages. For general dental or pediatric, we're usually not booking out treatment you know, two, three, four months out. So I would still set it up that if they have an appointment, they're getting an email reminder at two months, okay? So just a soft little touch, a soft reminder that shows up in their email inbox. Now, if in your research process, you realize that most people are not opted into the email section, then you need to scratch that completely and go with both email and text message. 
if when you do your digging, you realize that plenty of people are getting emails and plenty of people are getting text messages, then I think it's appropriate to set it up where they just get an email at two months prior to their appointment. They should not have the ability to confirm the appointment at two months prior to their appointment. We don't We do not want them confirming and then they get no more reminders. We want them to be reminded without being able to confirm. So email at two months, then one month prior to the appointment, they get a text message reminder. Then after that, again, no no ability to confirm the appointment. That's really important on those far out reminders. So two months, email, one month, text message, then Two weeks prior to their appointment, I would do another email. Depending upon your patient base, if you've got a really good patient base that keeps their appointments, and yes, you might have a few rotten apples in there that don't keep their appointments or they forget, but if the bulk of your patient base is really good about remembering, then you could always allow them to confirm at that two-week reminder. When they're allowed to confirm, that means they don't get any other text messages or emails, or they don't get anything until two hours before their appointment. So uh, it's up to you. If you have a lot of cancellations and no-shows, I would not allow them to confirm at that two-week mark either. I would just let that be a reminder. Then, After two weeks, I would do two days. So you'll kind of hear a repetitive pattern here. Two months, one month, two weeks, and then two days. Now, the two days prior would be the ability to confirm. So either you're allowing that at two weeks or you're not. And then the two-day text message. So again, I would do that one as text message. Um, I would allow them to confirm. Then if they have not confirmed by two days prior, normally towards the end of that day, I would recommend that your team members are calling the patients. Now, we do not check voice messages anymore. Very few people do. I still think we should leave a voice message, but it should be very simple. I recommend a curiosity killed the cat message, which goes something like this. Hey, Sally, this is Bethany with Dr. Jones' office. Hey, I've got a quick question for you. If you could, just give me a call back at your convenience. My number's 214-500-1234. Talk to you soon. Okay, what that message does is it does not tell the reason that we're calling Sally. It piques her interest because we say, I've got a quick question for you. And she's wondering, what is the question? When she calls back in, and most of them will, our question is, you know, my question was, I wasn't sure. We've been having a lot of people that haven't been getting the email and text messages uh, reminders. I wanted to make sure that you were getting those. Have you gotten any of those this week or these past couple weeks? And Sally's like, oh yeah, absolutely. I've been getting those. Oh good. I'm so, so relieved to hear that. So then you remember your upcoming appointment and you're planning to be there then. Oh yeah, no, I'll be there. That no, no, I'll I'll be there. Great. Thanks so much Sally for calling me back. I appreciate your feedback. So what we've done with that is we haven't necessarily deceived the patient. We truly did have a question. It's a subtle way of going Hello, are you receiving your reminders? Because we keep calling, we keep emailing, texting you, and now I'm having to call you. 
So it's a very subtle way to do it, but it's done in more of a, I just want to get some feedback from you because we've had some people mention that they aren't getting their emails and text messages. So we do have a question. It's a roundabout way of asking her to confirm her appointments. And she, of course, is getting hopefully the subtle hint that we needed her to respond to those. Then we, as you heard in that dialogue, we're not saying, I was just checking to make sure you're still coming. You're still going to be able to make it. I cannot stand that verbiage on confirmation phone calls because, of course, she's still planning to make it. I never want to insinuate that a patient was planning to cancel or even had thoughts of canceling. In my mind, they have this exceedingly valuable appointment with the office. Why in heaven's name would they cancel that appointment? Of course, they're not going to do that. So we lead with the assumption of, oh, okay, good. Of course, you remember that. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And we're planning then to see, we're planning then to see you on Thursday. Yep, I'll be there. Wonderful. Hey, thanks, Sally. So we, we project that we're expecting her to come. And if she were to say otherwise, like, oh, yes, I have been getting those reminders and I've been meaning to call you. I'm not going to be able to make it. We should act incredibly shocked in that moment. Like, oh, my goodness, Sally, what's going on? Is everything okay? We are concerned because Sally is releasing a golden appointment and something must be wrong because she's turning over something very valuable. So we should respond as, as if we are very concerned about what's going on in her world that would make her release this really valuable appointment. So um, if she does cancel or attempt to cancel in that phone call, then I would be very shocked, concerned, surprised. You get the general idea. So that is the confirmation protocol that I would recommend. Two months, we would do an email. One month, we would do a text message. Two weeks, depending upon your patient base, you may need to do both email and text messages. If you have enough people opted into text messages, then you could just do a text message. And then two days before, they would get another text message with the ability to confirm. If they have not confirmed by the end of that day, two days before, not the day before, then your staff member would give them a call with a curiosity kill the cat message. Okay, so that's confirmation protocol. Now, let's talk about if you have a practice with a high number of cancellations and no-shows. We may want to alter this kind of generalized confirmation protocol that I just recommended. If you have high cancellations, first of all, if you have low cancellations and low no-shows, I would not edit the plan that I just told you at all. I think it's a sufficient plan. It is not going to be enough to irritate your patients. I don't think you'll receive a lot of opt-outs. It's a very conservative plan for confirmations. And yet, it also is a consistent enough reminder that I don't think your patients will forget. So if you've got, I I would say, average or or below average cancellations and no-shows, do the plan that I just mentioned. If you have a high number of cancellations, now we we may want to rethink that confirmation plan. Now, normally when we have a higher number of cancellations and no-shows, it's not coming from 100% of our patients. Those cancellations and no-shows may be coming from 30% of our patients or even 20% of our patients, but it has a major impact on our schedule. 
So one of the strategies that I recommend is to grade your patients. And this sounds really harsh as I say it, but it is simply a tool of going through and going, okay, I need to identify the patients that are chronically canceling or missing their appointments because I don't want to change the whole confirmation protocol for the 70% that do a good job of keeping their appointments. I don't want to hound them. I don't want to uh, call them more. I don't want to cancel their appointment if they haven't confirmed. That's not fair to that 70% of patients that do show up. What I need to do is identify the patients who have a high no-show or cancellation record. Again, this is a fantastic downtime activity for the lovely month of September or whatever other month is slow for you. It takes anybody on the team, it doesn't even have to take a business person, to be able to start auditing patients who have upcoming appointments. So what I would not do is take the whole list of patients and go through and grade every single one. Because some of these patients may not have been in your practice in the last 18 to 24 months, and it's you're kind of wasting your time on patients that don't necessarily need to be graded. What I would do is have somebody, anybody on your team, take a look at the next couple weeks, next couple months even, if you have a lot of downtime, and go through the patients that are on the schedule. When they are on the schedule, you want to look at their history of cancellations or no-shows. Every software, dental software program that I know of tracks this. And so you need to, hopefully your team is tracking this. If not, that is a major correction that needs to happen today is that your team starts tracking these no-shows and cancellations through the software. Then you've got somebody on your team that is going through the next two weeks, the next two months even, I don't care, but those who are on the schedule and they're looking at their history of cancellations and no-shows and they are grading them. So somebody with no cancellations or no-shows, let me correct that, patients with no last-minute cancellations, and I normally say that's between 24 and 48 hours, or no-shows, they have zero of those, those would be what I call your A patients or your excellent patients, or your top-notch patients. I don't care what you call them, but it's the best of the best. The creme de la creme are these patients. And so uh, you want to grade them as a very high-rated patient, which means they would have the typical confirmation protocol that we just talked about. Then the patients on your schedule that have one to two last-minute cancellations and or no-shows would be your B-rated patients your good patients. And those are ones that I would recommend inserting an additional confirmation technique for them. That may be that we do two months, one month, two weeks, one week, and two days. Uh, So adding one additional confirmation in there, I think would be very helpful for your B patients. Then we get to your C patients. Your C patients are the patients that have more than, I normally say more than two last minute cancellations or no-shows. These patients, you can do a couple of things with them. I don't know that the extra confirmation is going to be exceedingly helpful for this population. However, I would add that confirmation in. 
I would make sure that these patients know you have some type of cancellation policy. Now, we know that there's usually a cancellation fee associated with the policy. Um, There can be a cancellation policy in place, especially if these people have a pretty strong history of not showing or last minute canceling, you can have a policy with them that if they have not confirmed their appointment, you will be replacing their appointment with somebody else because you have a long list of patients waiting to get in. Again, this would only apply to your C patients. Now, I know that policy makes people uncomfortable and I totally get it because you're thinking, oh goodness, there's a chance that these patients could hate this policy so much that they're willing to go somewhere else. And you are exactly right. They could hate it so much that they'll go somewhere else. So you have to evaluate whether you're willing to take that risk or not. If you are willing to take that risk, it's very important that that policy is communicated directly to the patient, not through an email blast, not through financial policy paperwork. It means that when you are reaching out to this patient, you are letting them know, we have a new policy in place as of September, whatever, 30th that we must hear back from our patients and get a confirmation in order to secure and save this appointment. We have a long waiting list full of people waiting to get in. And therefore, if we don't hear back from you 24 hours in advance confirming the appointment, we will need to reschedule that appointment for you. So whether that's a voice message that has been left or an actual phone call where you're able to get in touch with the patient If you leave a voice message, I would make sure to send a personalized text message that says, Hey, Bob, it's Bethany at Dr. Jones's office. I just left you a message. Please give me a call back at your earliest convenience. So that if they aren't good at finding their voice messages or listening to their voice messages, they will at least give you a call back. Um, once they get that text message. So any critical information that you leave on a voice message, I always recommend sending a personalized text message, identifying yourself and saying, please give me a call back at your earliest convenience. I just left you a voice message. Um, So if you're going to implement this policy, the patients, the C patients, the C list needs to hear about this new policy. Okay. And again, they may not like it, and I would say if they are frequently canceling or no-showing, it's not going to be detrimental to lose them out of your practice. What is detrimental is they keep taking up valuable time on your schedule that somebody else, an A or B patient, could have consumed. So that is a possibility for those C-list patients. First and foremost, you need to grade your patients if you have cancellation issues in your practice, and then you need to figure out how you're going to treat those C-list patients differently to ensure that you're protecting the schedule. Another strategy is that you book against those, meaning you double book um, if you know that they have a high cancellation or no-show policy. So that's an option as well. If you don't want to actually cancel their appointment, you can simply double book them. Okay, that's cancellations and uh, confirmations and all of that. So I'd love to hear from you on your tips and tricks that have worked well with uh, cancellations and confirmations. There is a strategy for cancellation phone calls, and I am going to run over time if I get into that now. So I will do a separate uh, little section on that at some point. 
All right, let's move on to filling the schedule strategies. So we're controlling the cancellations. That's step number one. Step number two is that we are actively working to fill the schedule. So there are always the age-old strategies of recall efforts that are being made. Just like with confirmation, I recommend text and email campaigns that go out to your patients reminding them that they have an appointment that they're due for and they are not yet scheduled for. I like for those to start going out very similarly to the confirmations two months prior to their due date. A lot of offices that I work with have mistakenly set it up to where they don't get noticed until they are due. I think that's a big mistake because then the patient, when they call in, they're past their recall date, past their reevaluation date, their post-op date, whatever you're needing to schedule them for. They are past due because you set that reminder up to go out to them on their due date. So I would recommend setting it up a couple months before or uh, one month before if you're able to accommodate them within a one-month period of time. So those uh, reminders need to go out two months before, one month. I also recommend, and you can vary it. You can do uh, email, text message. You can do physical cards that go out, and you can do phone calls as well. But two months, one month, one week. And then I like for you to call them on their due date um, or whenever you recommended for them to come back. And then that next follow-up would not be until a month later. So they're a month past due once you reach back out to them again. Again, vary your method on that to make sure you're not bombarding them with 100% text messages. This does require at some point somebody to get on the phone with your patients. Um, So number one, you want to make sure that you are actively pursuing recall patients or patients that were due back for reevaluations. The other thing is, this is always a good time when you have a slow month to go back and look at patients that you recommended treatment to and they did not follow through. They didn't schedule and you need to know who those people are and you need to have a campaign to follow up with those people. Again, you can vary your method here. Maybe that's a letter that goes out. Then after that patient receives a letter from you saying, hey, we're concerned because you never scheduled XYZ. And then after they receive that letter, about a week later, they're getting a phone call from you. Hey, John, I wanted to make sure you received that letter I sent you in the mail. I want to make sure that your teeth are feeling okay. I'd love to get you scheduled for the recommended treatment. So pursue those patients who did not schedule their treatment. Now, I like it from a schedule filling strategy. I love that. But my main motivation in following up with patients who have not scheduled their treatment is because we as clinicians are doing our due diligence in advocating for our patients. We are looking out for their best interests. If they had decay that was rampant in their mouth, why would we not as clinicians be concerned enough to follow up with them? So this is, in all all honesty, it's in the benefit of the patient for you to follow up with them. And does it actually benefit the practice, often it does, but that shouldn't be our main motivation. This is not a sales call. This is not a cold call. This is a care call that we are placing to the patient to ensure that they are doing okay and to see what we can do to help them take care of themselves. So that's the tone of these phone calls. 
Also, a lot of practices will send out a quote unquote use your benefit type campaign, whether that's a letter that goes out or an email message. A lot of people will do that in the latter months of the year. So kind of end of October, early November. I actually like for this campaign to go out in the lovely month of September because most offices naturally get busier in November, December. We do that naturally on our own. Those tend to be heavier months for us. So it doesn't make sense to send out this use your dental benefit campaign in our busier months. I like sending it out in our slower months because then it helps to fill the schedule and also kind of keeps our November, December schedule a little bit more open for the patients that we need to accommodate that would have naturally filled our schedule at the end of the year. So pursue Recall patients. Uh, Make sure you've got a good campaign set up for that. Pursue your patients that left the practice and did not schedule their treatment. You approach that in a care call way. The third thing that you need to do is to ensure that you are sending out some type of email letter campaign that says, hey, use your benefits by the end of the year. Those are all fantastic schedule filling strategies. I will throw out one more as an option. I say this is an option because I want you to think about it very conservatively, meaning don't do it unless you need to. But you can run quote unquote specials in the months of September or October if those are slower for you, meaning hey, Dr. Jones noticed that you still have these pending crowns that need to be done. And he is, you know, generously wanting to help you get these done. And so he's offered to do that for 15% off, or he's offered to do that for 20% off. Now, you'll hear that I am communicating very personally. I do not think this needs to necessarily be a full blast campaign that goes out to every single patient. You could send out an email blast to people that have pending crowns. I'm okay with that. But the message needs to be almost customized. It needs to feel personal. And that can, again, be a letter, that can be an email, but I think it works best when a member from your team follows up that email or that letter with a phone call, okay? Um, So you can look at, hey, what do I really want to focus on in the month of September, October, and I can run a special on that particular treatment Or if there's something cosmetic, maybe we want to focus on whitening or night guards or whatever you want to do, um, you could highlight that in the month of September and October and see if you can kind of get some people in with that lure of some percentage off. Now, again, I would say if you don't need that, if your practice is really stable and good at converting treatment, and this is literally a couple of weeks that are slow for you, then don't do it. Uh, But specials or percentages off do absolutely work and they entice people to get in on the schedule. You can also in these months focus on your referring patients and really reach out to them, make sure that you're thanking them for their referrals Um, touch base with them and just see how they're doing. Sometimes when we touch base with our really good referral sources, it can boost their referrals in our slow months. So whether that's professionals that you need to reach out to during these months, I know there's not a lot of fun holidays to celebrate in September and October for your referring patients or professionals, but get out and and deliver goodies and and, um, just try to 
you know, spark a referral from your great referral sources. So that's another thing that could boost your schedule in these slow months. Okay, I've thrown a lot of detail out at you. In all honesty, I feel like I could talk on this for several hours. There's so many uh, little ideas that kind of lead to one one another, but I'm hoping that this content is enough to at least spark the conversation with your team to come up with a really good game plan to execute over these next couple months and hopefully turn these slow, sucky months into very productive months. I wish you the best. Go out and conquer. Thanks for joining the conversation today. We hope that you are comforted in knowing that you are not alone, but we also hope that you're walking away with some really great tips and tricks to try in your practice. We value your feedback, so please take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. Finally, we want to make sure that we're covering the topics that matter to you. So track us down on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let us know what topics you want us to cover. As always, please know that we are rooting for you today as you manage your dental drama.